0: We're very happy that you're here today in the Lord's house, and we want to warmly welcome you all. As the adult Bible class was making a start this morning downstairs, while they were singing a hymn, and I could hear it in my study, Jesus, the name I love so well, the name I love to hear, no saint on earth, its worth can tell, no heart can it cannot be so dear you know when we think today of recognizing the protestant reformation and this service this morning it is good to reflect upon some of the major truth that was reemphasized from the reformation and one of them was certainly the priesthood of all believers And that meant that a person could have personal connection with God. They didn't have to go through a priest, they didn't have to go through a church, but they could come directly to the Lord. And when a person has been born again of the Spirit of God, well, the name of Jesus is so sweet and so precious. And it's the name because it's Him that we love so well. And friend, today you know Christ in your heart, You've been saved by his grace, then you can also have that joy and peace in believing. Luther, when he came to Christ at that time and the Lord raised him up, he wrote many, many doctrines down and he expressed from the scripture what the Spirit of God had put within his heart. And we love to sing. A mighty fortress is our God, and it was based around Psalm 46. God is our refuge and our strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, will not we fear, though the earth be removed and though the mountains be cast into the midst of the sea? Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the heathen. And that's a great promise the Lord has given to us. The Lord of hosts is our refuge and our strength and our comfort. And we're very, very thankful for that. We're going to stand and sing number 588 as we worship the Lord today. So please, let's praise him with all our hearts. may be seated. It is good to have the confidence of the Spirit of God in our hearts to know that when we come to worship Him, when we come to bear witness of His name, God's Spirit empowers us and enables us to speak through Him. The devil's running rampant today, it seems, and we wonder sometimes Is he on the upper side of the battle? But Luther reminds us, one little word shall fell him. One little word shall cause him to flee. We are to walk and live each day in the victory of Calvary, in the victory of the resurrected Christ. And that's our joy, and that's our strength at this time. Let's bow, please, before the Lord now in prayer. Our loving Father, and our gracious God, what joy and privilege we have of being found once more in the place of prayer, in the house of praise and thanksgiving, a place where we have dedicated this house to the preaching of the unsearchable riches of Christ. And therefore, Lord, each time we gather, and lift our voices in song and worship. And we come, Father, to pray and to seek the face of our holy God in Christ's precious name. We know we have access to our God. We know, Lord, we come on the blood-sprinkled pathway. And we are invited to come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy, find grace to help in the time of our need. Lord, we look around us in the world and things are dire in many places, and it seems the hand of iniquity is rising and satanic power all around. Lord, we trust in our sovereign God. Lord, we know that all things are under Your control, and we are thankful for that this morning. And we pray that we will walk by faith and not by sight, that we will keep our eyes fastened upon our Savior, and that we will walk in the shadow of his great delight. Dear Lord, give us victory over the temptations of the evil one. Set a very high guard and barrier and standard around us. Let us rest each moment in the fact that the angel of the Lord encampeth round about them that fear him and delivereth them. That is a great promise. Dear Father, fill our hearts with true thanksgiving. Pour out your Spirit upon us and help us, Lord. Be with every part of our meeting this morning and be with the boys and girls, and the young adults, as they minister to us in song, we ask, dear Father, to bless them in their own lives. And as they are taught the things of Christ from their youngest days, fasten the scripture to their hearts. And may they come to Christ at an early age, and may their lives make a difference in this generation. For Lord, we do not know how much time we have left we pray, dear Father, for the anointing of the Holy Spirit upon all who trust in Christ, all who profess faith, and help us to make a difference in our generation and time. Make use of this congregation. Make use of us, Lord, that we will be filled with the power of God going forward in our witnessing to neighbors and friends and workmates. And, Lord, again we pray that you would give us the joy of leading sinners to Christ and that people would be born again of the Spirit of God and that we would be able to disciple them and show them the way of righteousness and truth father have mercy upon our nation have mercy upon us Lord we ask remember believers who are being persecuted in many parts of the world we think of the church in Gaza today and believers who are there we pray for those believers in Israel. We ask, dear Father, to protect them and help them to be a witness in a very dark time. We pray for the church in India as they are suffering great persecution today and in Nepal. Lord, we, be, we cite these places and we ask, Father, that great protection and provision would be upon your people to be a witness in a very dark day. Help us in our land. We need grace. Uh, We need help, Lord. Our government needs help. We pray for God-fearing leaders in our day. We pray that you would turn back those who are murderers and thieves and robbers. We think of the abortion industry today. And we pray that you would confound and turn back those who are bent on murder of the innocent. Hear our prayer, Lord, today receive our thanksgiving. Lord, we ask for comfort to be upon those who are grieving the loss of loved ones today. We pray for our brother, Dan Browett. We pray for Matthew and we ask for the rest of their family, the loss of Dan's father. We pray for Andre and we ask for your hand of blessing upon him in the loss of his grandmother recently, and others that have had to deal with bereavement in their homes, in their families. Lord, be with them and bless them now. Thankful, Father, for great grace upon us, for the blessings uh, last week of the meetings in Port Hope and the dinner last night. We think of Brother Cranston today as he comes to the conclusion of his ministry officially in Port Hope. Bless him and strengthen him now, Lord, and be with the congregation there and give direction for the future. And so, Lord, we gather all of these things and many, many more, thankful that we can commit our way and our work and this service into Christ's hand and for his glory. So hear our prayers and be with us now, we ask in Jesus' holy name, amen. Well, we're very pleased that uh, the young people, the boys and girls from our Sunday school and also our young adults are with us this morning and they're going to come and minister to you both with some words, some scripture, and also in song. So boys and girls, young people, please come now. Thank you very much, uh, boys and girls from our Sunday school and also our young adult Bible class. May the Lord bless their ministry to you. We're going to sing Psalm 32a now, Psalm 32a, and we will stand as we sing the first six verses. Please turn with me now in your Bibles to the book of Galatians chapter 2, Galatians chapter 2 for our congregational reading, and verse 16. Knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ, even we have believed in Jesus Christ, that we might be justified by the faith of Christ and not by the works of the law. For by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. But if while we seek to be justified by Christ, We ourselves also are found sinners. Is therefore Christ the minister of sin? God forbid. For if I build again the things which I destroyed, I make myself a transgressor. For I, through the law, am dead to the law, that I might live unto God. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, But Christ liveth in me, and the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. That is the good news of the gospel, that we who are sinners, we who are separated from God, have come into... A relationship with him. Christ has given himself for us, an offering, a sacrifice to God, well ex- accepted and well-pleasing, and we have by faith received that gift. And today, friend, if you know the Lord, then you rejoice in him. But if you're here today and you don't know Christ, if you don't have him in your heart, then I encourage you to be sure before our meeting closes, that you believe on Him and you receive Him by faith. May the Lord bless His Word and to your hearts today. We're very, very happy that you're here with us for uh, this Protestant Reformation Lord's Day morning service. We're very happy that you're here. We have some visitors with us, and we certainly want to recognize them just in a moment. But we do pass on our, our condolences to our brother Dan Browett good to see Matthew in the service as well today. Um, Dan's father passed away last Monday, and they had a family funeral on Saturday, just yesterday, and we want to remember our brother and his family before the Lord. And also it's good to see Andre and Lorraine and Brianda back in the service today. We know that they were down in Jamaica, and visiting with family because of the passing of a brother Andre's grandmother. And it was quite a surprise to brother Richard Craig when they turned up at the service in little London in Jamaica. And uh, we're happy that they're able to be home with family visiting and brought back to us safely again. It's also a great joy to have Dr. McClellan in the service with us this morning. We have been praying much for our brother. And he just got home from the hospital on Friday and wanted to be out. Well, he desperately wanted to come to the Port Hope meeting last night, but couldn't make that one. He wanted to be here in the house of the Lord this morning. And I, I said to our brother, our visiting preacher, Reverend Gordon Ferguson, he wanted to come to hear a mighty preacher. And that's why he came this morning to the service, because we have a guest preacher today. And so we're very happy that Dr. McClellan is here, and I know our brother wants to express to the congregation thanks for the prayers of all of God's people. Good to have our brother Alan from Lisburn also back with us today. He was here last week and I missed him, but our brother is over here for business and uh, we enjoyed fellowship with him several months ago and we saw him actually in Lisburn when we were over there just in the summertime and it's good to have our brother in the service with us today. We also warmly welcome Nathan In the meeting today, Eunice's friend, Nathan, you're very welcome here. We're glad that you're here in the house of the Lord with us today. Let me see now. It's been such a busy time for us all, and it was a great blessing to be last evening in the Port Hope area for the recognizing of the 30th anniversary of their meeting And all week they have had meetings and our brother ferguson has been ministering the word and i'll say a little bit more by way of introduction to him in a few moments but the services went well i understand unfortunately i could not be there because i was in maine at another conference from the american council of christian churches and those folks who were there at that conference they remember some of them being in our church back many years ago for a conference And they wanted to be remembered to all of you. And they specifically are thankful for the time that they had here those many years ago. Anyways, thank you for your prayers for the traveling that I did to Maine. And I knew the Lord's help in the meetings. And it was a blessed time with the brethren there. They're from different churches, different church backgrounds in the council. But they love the Lord and they're humble and trying to serve him. In that capacity and so i bring you greetings from them and brother dan greenfield who is the executive secretary we had dan with us a little while ago as he spoke in our prayer meeting and just presented some of the cause and the needs of the american council so uh, remember them please before the lord in prayer and then also thank you for your concern i received texts from a few of you and some calls because you heard of that awful tragedy that took place in maine last wednesday when a mass murderer did some wicked and evil deeds in the murder of a number of people, and the whole state of Maine was upside down on a manhunt, and they finally found the man who had taken his own life. Well, thank you for your concern and prayers. I was about two hours away from that area that took place, but we were all very concerned, and praying for the families that have so senselessly lost loved ones, in these types of massacres that go on. And we just see the devil's hand more and more unleashed and at work. And if it's not a warfare that's inspired by demonic activity in the Far East, well, it will be a a shooting of some kind or murders here or there. May the Lord keep his hand upon us and help us to be a witness and a light in a very dark time and a dark age in which we are in. Let me encourage you to think about our meetings this incoming week, Wednesday evening, our Bible study and prayer time at 7.30, and let's see that every family is represented at our prayer meeting, either in person or online. I want to encourage you also to support our ministerial students, and you can mark your envelope, your offering envelope, with something uh, extra you want to donate toward that. And when we think about our ministerial students, we're praying also for the work in Fredericton, which we are also helping and supporting, Brother Frank DiDurno. Next Lord's Day, November the 5th, two of our elders here, Mr. James Fraser and Mr. Alec Newell, they'll be traveling down on Friday, I believe it is, to be with the congregation in Fredericton and to encourage Brother DiDurno. So I know they would greatly appreciate your prayers and they have a a presentation that they want to make to Mr. Neil Sampson, who has been teaching the Word for the last 15 years in the church without a full-time pastor. Let's continue to uphold Brother Frank DiDurno, that he will know the power of God upon him for ministry. Next Saturday, the fourth, is also a fundraising breakfast for the Pregnancy Care Center, And if you would like to be a part of that or make a donation, you can do that either through our own offerings or going directly to their website, and you can make that known. Please remember the Ladies Bible Study on October the 31st, this coming Tuesday, and it will be at 7 p.m. on Zoom only. And if you would like to be a part of that, please speak to Brother McAnally, and he'll be able to put you on that list for communication an advance notice regarding our communion it will not be next lord's day which is the first lord's day of the month but it will be on november the 12th the second one it will be after our morning service That's just to let you know that a little bit in advance ask you also to remember please in prayer the upcoming mission trip that i'll be going on to south korea along with reverend kim and his wife Hannah. They're going to accompany me, and I'm very thankful for that, and I appreciate your prayers for all of us as we travel and the meetings that we will have there. We're going to visit our church in South Korea, Reverend Song Ki Lee and his family, and also I was very thankful to the Lord. We are able to get in contact with Kai Yun Ko. We knew him as Go. He stayed with us many years ago in our home, and he was known to the congregation, to some of you that will remember him. And we'd lost contact for a number of years, but the Lord graciously opened the door to be able to communicate with him. And I got an email just this morning, and so it's very good. I praise the Lord for that, and looking forward to seeing our brother and having some fellowship with him. And other ministers, too, as we go there, in churches, it's going to be a, a full schedule. And so we look forward to that, and please continue in your prayers. On the list on the table at the back is a sign-up sheet for the Congress, our International Congress, that's planned for July 1st to the 5th this year, well, next year, 24. And please, if you're interested, we need to know today so I can let Brother Pollock know how many folks are going to be going or planning on going, and uh, we need to know today. So please, before the service finishes tonight, write your name down there and we can give that notice uh, to them. Those are all the ministry announcements we have for you. Uh, We want to sing again number 47 in our hymnal, Redemption Ground. 47, and you're singing well, praising the Lord, so let's stand and lift our hearts and our praises to him. Of the fourth verse, no works of merit, now I plead, but Jesus take for all my need. No righteousness in me is found except upon redemption ground. What have we got to bring to God and offer to Him? Why would the Lord have mercy upon us? Because of our good works, because of our intellect? Certainly it's not because of our good looks. We know that. We know it's because of the grace of God. And he has had mercy upon us. And we're thankful for that great truth today. Let's sing this final verse, verse number five. We have a visitor, I believe, in the service this morning that is connected with our brother Delgado. If you remember that before, brother, is that you? Ah, very good. Lovely to have you in the service today. Now, what is your name? Ah, very welcome in our service today. Some of you remember brother Delgado and his family. They were with us, oh, several years ago now. And then I think they moved back overseas again. But our brother is here and I believe studying. Uh, some connection there, so we're very happy that you're with us in the service and you make sure that he is made welcome at the end of the service today. Great delight for us to have Reverend Gordon Ferguson with us in our pulpit. I know he was here a couple of weeks ago and I was away, and so I'm thankful for that and uh, very appreciative for the willingness of our brother to preach for us today, this morning and tonight. He has had a very full schedule, being away from home now for just about nine weeks. And understand, when he goes back, he's going to be home one week, and then he has a gospel campaign he's going to be conducting the week after that. And so I I said to him, it's a good thing that you're a young fellow, and you can uh, conduct all these services and keep going. The Lord has used him in a great way. A brother, Ian Golliher, had him come over initially and preach in our Calgary congregation, It was a great joy and blessing that he was able to be with us down in Winston-Salem at our minister's week of prayer and presbytery, and uh, we're very thankful for the past week of meetings and now today, and so our brother has been put to work. And uh, we're thankful that he's here today. He ministered for many years in England. He is from Northern Ireland, and he also served as principal of Whitfield College of the Bible, He is now retired from the ministry, but perhaps he's busier now than he even was before when he was in full-time ministry as a pastor. But brother, we're very thankful that you're here today, and the Lord bless you,
1: amen.
2: Well, I do thank your minister, Dr. Saunders, for the very warm word of welcome uh, here uh, to Toronto. I was with you a couple of weeks ago, and I enjoyed being with you. It's nice to be with you again. He's just destroyed his credibility by calling me a young man. And I noticed the chuckles. Uh, I'm not fooled. Uh, One of my colleagues said, you're no spring chicken. And I said to him, I haven't been uh, for many years. Uh, But it is nice to be with you. I'm feeling a bit weary. I've been away from home now for over nine weeks. And I think my family are looking forward seeing me again, discovering what I look like if I've aged much more uh, during my time uh, over in Canada. I think this is my 28th time to speak uh, when I've been away. And one more, and then I can relax. And uh, I have a week. It's not actually a gospel mission. It's a week uh, of uh, meetings, uh, slightly different from uh, a gospel mission. And we're going to read from romans chapter 3 romans chapter 3 and we're going to commence reading at the verse 10 just breaking into the chapter at verse 10 and i was going to read right down to verse 28 but i think because of time keeping my eye on the watch i'll read a few verses at the start of our reading and then i'll skip forward romans chapter 3 verse 10 as it is written there is none righteous, no, not one. There is none that understandeth. There is none that seeketh after God. They are all gone out of the way. They are together become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good, no, not one. And let's go down then to verse 23. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Being justified freely by his grace, through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God hath set forth to be a propitiation through faith in his blood, to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are past through the forbearance of God, to declare, I say at this time, his righteousness, that he might be just, and the justifier of him which believeth in Jesus. Ending our reading there, and we'll bow together in a word of prayer. Father in heaven, we pray that thou wilt bless us now as we meditate upon thy word. Fill me, I pray thee, with the Holy Ghost. Breathe out thy spirit upon us. May we listen well. May we give good heed to what thou art saying. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to speak to you on this Reformation Sunday on justification by faith. Our text is verse 24, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. The man we associate with what we might call the rediscovery of this great doctrine is Martin Luther. He was born on the 10th of November, 1483, at Eisleben in Germany. He was baptized there, and Over 62 years later, on the 18th of February, 1546, that is where he passed away. Martin Luther longed for the forgiveness of his sins, and he found peace with God through faith in Jesus Christ alone. He contended earnestly and vigorously for the doctrine of justification by faith. He's famous for... Uh, The 31st of October, 1517, when he nailed the 95 Theses to the church door in Wittenberg. They were discussion points uh, to discuss uh, this teaching and also renouncing the sale of forgiveness uh, by indulgences uh, that had been set forth by the Pope and had been carried on in Germany by a man the name of John Tetzel. Also, he's famous for the statement statement that he made on the 18th of April, 1521. His books were set before him. He was asked if he acknowledged them and if he would renounce them. He stood to them and he said, Here I stand. I can do no other. May God help me. Amen. He translated the Bible into German and his translation really unified and in a sense made the German language. He wrote hymns, and we sang one of them this morning, A Mighty Fortress is Our God. He also drew up a catechism and the Augsburg Confession. We associate uh, with the Reformation this rediscovery of justification by faith, uh, along with the other five or other four solas, uh, justification by faith alone, in Christ alone, by grace alone. I can never remember uh, all of them. The young people did very well uh, in naming them. I suppose they were schooled uh, so that they wouldn't forget them. But we're going to look at this subject. Uh, Time is running on, I see, so I have to keep moving. Uh, The first thing I want us to think about is what is meant by justification? We use the word what does it mean? Well, if you go back to Deuteronomy chapter twenty five and the first verse, you will find a clear definition of the word justification. We're told if there be a controversy between men and they come unto judges, unto judgment, that the judges may judge them, then they shall justify the righteous and condemn the wicked. So it's a legal term. We're in the courtroom here and the the judges are told if a man is clear and there's no guilt attached to him, you justify him and you condemn the wicked. Interestingly enough, something that's carried forth uh, into our own judicial system, we find that the guilty person was set out uh, or was set out for him a maximum sentence. How much they could punish the offender is set out. And uh, our judges have maximum sentences that they may pass. They may not uh, extend the sentence to the maximum, but a maximum sentence is set by law. Word of God uh, being ahead of everything else and being the very essence of wisdom. So, a person who is clear To whom no guilt attaches, that person is to be justified. Now, justification is more than forgiveness. It includes forgiveness. It's more than pardon. It includes pardon. Dr. T.T. Shields has a wonderful illustration of this in his book, The Doctrines of Grace. In the early part of the 20th century, a man by Captain Alfred Dreyfus, a Jewish man, was accused of selling secrets to an unnamed enemy, that enemy believed to be Germany at that time. He was accused, he was brought to trial, and he was found guilty. His regiment was paraded before him. Uh, He was stripped of uh, his rank, uh, and his sword was broken in front of his regiment, and he was banished uh, to a penal colony called Devil's Island an author by the name of Emil Zola looked into the case and he was convinced that Captain Dreyfus was totally innocent of the charge and should not have been convicted. And so he agitated the matter until finally it came strongly to public notice and a second trial had to be held. Now, at that time there was a lot, as there is today, of anti-Semitic feeling uh, and there was strong anti Semitic feeling in France. And for the honour of the French army, although it was very clear that Alfred Dreyfus was totally innocent, that he was not guilty, he was found guilty a second time, and the next day he was offered a presidential pardon. He absolutely refused it. He said, If I'm guilty, I don't refuse to serve my sentence, but if I'm not guilty, then I cannot be condemned. The result was they had to have a third trial. And this time, Alfred Dreyfus, who later went on to serve with his son in the Second World War, Alfred Dreyfus was completely exonerated. His regiment was brought in before him, paraded. His rank was restored. A new sword was presented to him, and the regiment saluted their captain. Here is a man who was not guilty. He was justified in the courts. That's what it means, cleared, cleared of all guilt. We might wonder at how we can be cleared. The Bible says that God's people are justified freely by God's grace through faith. Uh, or through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Now, how can we be clear? But the Bible says we are. The Apostle Paul puts it this way in Romans chapter 8 and verses 33 and 34. Who shall lay anything, he says, to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifieth. And he says, it is Christ that died. So he's saying, there's no charge. That can be laid against us when we're trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ. When I stand before God, when I stand before God, I cannot be condemned. No charge, completely clear of all charges. And that leads me to a second point. Justification is totally independent of our efforts. Justification. It's a clearance, a declaration that there's no crime, no sin to be laid to our charge when we stand before God. And I'm saying to you, it is entirely independent of our efforts, of our character, of our good works. Notice how it's put, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. That word freely is translated in John chapter 15 and verse 25 by the words without a cause. Christ says there, they hated me without a cause. And that's true. Was there any reason for the Jewish people or the Gentiles to hate Jesus Christ? He was the great benefactor. Bible says he went about doing good, healing those that were oppressed of the devil. He healed the sick. He raised the dead. He fed the hungry. What a friend. Jesus Christ is. He wept with compassion over those who rejected him. There was not a better person, because he's God as well as man, because he's sinless, there was not a better person ever stood on this earth, than Jesus Christ. And so there was no reason to hit him. There was no reason for all the attempts to trip him up. No reason to arrest him. No reason for spitting in his face and tearing the hair from his face. No reason for putting the crown of thorns on his brow. No reason for the scourging. No reason for the crucifixion. No reason why the Jewish people should cry out, away with him. Let him be crucified. No reason. They hated me without a cause. No reason. And here we read the same expression. Being justified without a cause. Without a cause. By his grace, through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. And then that Other little expression, being justified freely by his grace, by his grace. Grace is free, unmerited favor. It's favor we do not deserve. Uh, In days, well, still today, we, we have to tax our cars. I don't know what system you employ, but before I can take my car out onto the road, I have to make sure that it's taxed. used to have to display a tax disc, and now it's all done uh, by the internet. And if I'm driving along, a police car sees my car. If it's not taxed, uh, that number will flash to a central computer, and the next thing, I will get a letter through the post, and I will have to pay a fine. Uh, It used to be, when you displayed the tax disc, that the police would allow you maybe two weeks uh, of, of grace. Uh, you drive along, you might get stopped, and you're out of tax, uh, you're breaking the law, but the police would have given you those two weeks of grace, approximately that length of time. You didn't deserve to get that time. You should have had your car properly taxed to be on the road. It's unmerited favor. Well, here it is. We are justified, Without a cause, through God's unmerited favor. Uh, So, it's free. We don't contribute to it. It's by His grace. We don't deserve to be justified in and of ourselves. And I ask this question. How could we? How could we justify ourselves? I read to you. I wanted to read more verses, but because of time, I didn't do it. But I read to you from uh, Romans chapter 3, there's a section there uh, that begins by saying, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And then there's a description of the depravity of mankind. It runs down to verse 19, and it says, By the deeds of the law shall no flesh be justified in his sight, For by the law is the knowledge of sin. That's verse 20. Verse 19 says that every mouth may be stopped and all the world, that's you, that's me, it's everybody else, all the world may become guilty before God. Nobody can stand before God and say, I'm good enough to enter heaven. I am without sin. No, no. We have all sinned. We have all failed. The cause cannot be found in ourselves. Justified, cleared. Cleared from all guilt. Without a cause, as far as I'm concerned, as far as you're concerned, by His grace, by the unmerited favor of God. Of course, it's not without a reason that God's people Are cleared, not without a reason. Uh, Just over five years ago, uh, I attended a wedding. Uh, It was a young woman, uh, and when she was a little child, my wife had child-minded her uh, for six and a half years, Uh, and she was an only child. She looked on uh, herself as being a a, a little sister to my younger daughter. uh, she used to attach herself to my youngest son, uh, and he didn't like that. He was a boy. She was a little girl, and he wasn't interested in girls at that time. became interested later. He's married now with two girls of his own. But it was her wedding, and my wife and I were invited. My wife wasn't well at the time. She couldn't go. I went along, and after the church service, there was laid on for the guests ice cream. A uh, unusual thing when we were making our way out from uh, the wedding in the church, there was ice cream laid on. And someone said uh, to the father of the bride, get some ice cream, Hugh. It's free. He says, it's not free. <laughs> he was paying for it all. Uh, so uh, it wasn't free as far as he was concerned. Free for us, but not free for him. I think you know where I'm going with this, being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. The answer uh, to the question why and how can it be that we are justified freely is found in these words, through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. It's not in us. It's in Christ Jesus. Redemption is buying back. It is by the payment of a price. Uh, we are told in First Peter chapter 1 that we are not redeemed through ter- corruptible things such as silver or gold from our vain conversation received by tradition from our fathers, by tradition being handed down. Uh, we're not saved by a faith that's handed down uh, by the family name. By the good works of our parents, or by our own good works, or by paying a price, by putting money in the offering plate, by sponsoring great projects, uh, by giving a vast amount into the work of God, or into any other philanthropic venture. We're not saved by that, but it says we're not saved by those things, but uh, through the redemption that is in. Christ Jesus. What is the price that is paid? Well, that price is seen uh, in what Jesus Christ our Savior had to pay on our behalf. He had to come, that was humiliating, come by the way of the virgin birth. He had to live amongst people that were uh, very hostile in many cases to him. he saw things that grieved him. From his childhood, he saw things that grieved him because he was pure. God is of purer eyes than to look upon iniquity. He cannot bear sin. What grief to the mind of Jesus Christ as he was growing up, listening to ungodly speech, seeing evil deeds per- per- perpetrated by men and women, by young people, by boys and girls. And then when he entered upon his public ministry, despised, rejected of men, acquainted with grief, people hiding their faces from him. And then, of course, when it came to the the final part of his life, arrested and tried and crucified and slain. How difficult for Jesus Christ. In John 12, 27, I mentioned this last night. He said, now is my soul troubled, harassed, oppressed, vexed, as he thought of what he ha- would have to endure. And I think even more than the sufferings was the thought of all his people's sin being placed on him and his father having to turn his back upon him. Oh, how, how terrible to contemplate that for the full horror of that to fall upon Jesus Christ. Think of how he prayed in Gethsemane, how it broke his heart as he cried out to the Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, he says, not as I will, but as thou wilt. His sweat falling to the ground. The Bible says of us, ye have not yet resisted unto blood, striving against sin. Christ resisted unto blood. Great drops, or it might have even been rendered great clots of blood. Can you picture it? Christ there in such anguish? Can you see it? Such horror. Such horror. Upon his spirit, his soul is oppressed and distressed, and the Father sends an angel to strengthen him. And then there is the scene on Calvary's brow, and the darkness, and the cry of dereliction, my God, my God, why hast, and we could put emphasis on the next word, why hast thou forsaken me? The others. The disciples, the Bible says, they all forsook him and fled. I know they congregated again at the cross, but he must tread that pathway of sorrow and shame and suffering alone. There is the price that he's paying. There is the price. And uh, Joseph Hart wrote these words, and I think they're most poignant and most powerful He said, Christ bore all that incarnate God could bear with strength enough, but none to spare. And I think those are very true, those words. Bore all that incarnate God, God in flesh, could bear with strength enough, but none to spare. This was the most difficult thing that God ever did to make the world nothing. Speak, it's done. Command, it stands fast. The stars, an incidental detail. After describing many things, it says in Genesis 1, he made the stars also. Nothing, just speak. And a multitude of stars is created. Yes, but to deal with sin, to pay the price, for his people's sins. Christ is pushed to the very limit. And so, while we say justified freely by his grace, by his unmerited favor, we have to add, through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. But redemption is not only by price, it is also by power. The Bible speaks of God redeeming his people, Israel, by a strong hand by mighty power, strong hand, the mighty power of God. And the power of God is so great, that power was displayed in Christ when he calmed the storm, when he cast out devils, when he walked on the sea, when he fed the hungry, when he raised the dead. That's the same power in redemption as is seen in the creation of the world, even for the salvation of a child. We sometimes think it's easy to see a child saved. The power that created this world is required to save a boy, a girl, a young person, an older person from sin. If you're saved, a great miracle has been performed more than the feeding of the 5,000, more than Christ walking on the sea. That power is the power of omnipotence. That's what's required. Yes, the price had to be paid, and now the power has to be exerted in raising you. Why? Because you're more than physically dead. You're dead to God. The Bible says, you hath he quickened or brought to life who were dead in trespasses and sins. The dead person physically, if they're raised, they're not resistant. But you and I, raised from death and sin, we're raised from resistance to God. We want the sins. We're wedded to our sins. And a mighty power has to be exerted, in spite of our resistance, to be made willing. Psalm 110 in verse 3 says, thy people shall be willing in the day of thy power. Yes, we have to be made willing. Mighty power has to be exerted. The power that created is needed to save. The power that holds everything in its place, it's needed to save. You know, people think uh, there'll be a third world war, the world will end that way. I remember the 1962 Cuban crisis, Uh, And there was great talk at that time of the end of the world when Khrushchev and Kennedy were facing off, uh, and uh, Kennedy, I've got to say, boldly stood up to Khrushchev, stopped him placing his missiles in Cuba, and Khrushchev withdrew uh, from his threats. There was great tension, great fear at that time. Uh, The world was never going to end in 1962 because this world is held in the hands of our Savior. He upholdeth all things by the word of his power. So we can relax in that respect and say, thank God. God is in control. And then, of course, it's the power by which the Lord Jesus Christ rose from the dead. They closed the tomb. They sealed the tomb. They said, he can't get out. Uh, but when the guards looked, he wasn't there. When Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to the tomb, he wasn't there. When uh, Peter uh, went there, and uh, looked in, he wasn't there. And in John chapter 20, we find finally John went in. And the third word that is used in connection with seeing is a word that tells us, ah, I see it now. I understand Two other words are used. I haven't time to deal with them. But John saw it, and he realized, I know why. Those grave clothes are there. Uh, The napkin in one place, the other cloths in another place. He's risen. He's alive. Yes, yes. The grave could not hold. The Son of God, he rose from the dead. The power by which he rose from the dead, is the power that redeems us. We're redeemed by price. We are redeemed by power. And it says here, being justified freely. No power of our own. No merit of our own. We cannot save ourselves. We cannot raise ourselves justified freely by his grace, in his mercy, and in his undeserved favor to us through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Do you get the picture? It all depends on Christ. That's what Luther discovered. It's not by works of merit that we may plead for forgiveness. No. But on Christ alone, we lean all the weight of our souls. When the high priest laid hold of the scapegoat and confessed the sins of the nation, the idea between holding was of leading all his weight, putting all his, his, his strength upon that goat that would bear away, symbolically, the sin of the nation. And Horatius Bonner said, I, 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 he says, I rest my soul on Jesus. And he speaks about putting the weight, the weight in that hymn, the weight of his sins and the weight of his soul on Jesus Christ. I lay my sins on Jesus, he says, the spotless Lamb of God. He bears them all and frees us from the accursed load. Yes. And that's the the next point. Very briefly, uh, I will make this point because... This great salvation, this justification, comes to us by faith. We read further on in the chapter that we are justified by faith. What is faith? Well, it has been described as a hand that's held out, the beggar's hand, by which we receive the Lord Jesus Christ. And it has been defined. in the letters of the word faith, F-A-I-T-H, forsaking all, I trust him. It's simple trust in Jesus Christ. If you're not saved, we can say, reach out that hand. Reach out that hand to Christ. Reach out to him. Ask him. Confessing your sins. Ask him to be your savior. And you trust in him. You call upon his name. You'll be saved. Tonight I want to preach on the Philippian jailer. And he was told, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Put your trust in Jesus Christ. Not in good works, but in Christ. I was going to make a couple more points. I'll mention them to you. Justification leads to sanctification. That's just the process of becoming holy. You see, if you claim to trust in Christ and you live an unholy life, that's a whole lie. Christ said, by their fruits ye shall know them. Paul speaks in Colossians 1.27 of Christ in you, the hope of glory. How can Christ be in you? And you have received him, and at the same time you go out and live a most wicked, ungodly life. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. And I know that the change... When it's described for us in James chapter 2, it actually puzzled Luther. When it says Abraham was justified by works, and that Rahab was justified by works, he thought, that can't be, I'm justified by faith. He didn't see the connection at first between faith and works. Works do not precede faith, they follow faith. They are the evidence of faith. And so Luther called the epistle of James a strawy epistle, or an epistle of straw. I think he later realized how wrong he was in that regard. Yes, when you're saved, when you're justified, that leads to sanctification, and that finally leads to glory. That would have been my last thought. For in Romans chapter 8 and verse 30, Paul actually, in that verse, misses out Sanctification altogether, he goes from uh, whom he justified, then he also glorified. You might say, how can he miss out the process of the child of God becoming holy as he or she uh, is saved? Well, I think perhaps, I'm just suggesting this, I think perhaps he misses it out to show us the certainty, the absolute certainty, that when a person is Saved and justified, that person will infallibly be in heaven. There's no such thing as saved and lost of being a child of God for 10, 20, 30 years, and then finally falling away and perishing in your sin. That does not happen. Whom he justified, them he also glorified. I've set before you a glorious doctrine, a glorious person. In Jesus Christ, if you're saved, glorify Him. Give all your praise to him, serve him with all of your heart. If you're backsliding, slidden, if you're backslidden, then you need to return. How can you know you're really saved? Well you're away from him. And if you're not saved, I urge you, come to him, seek Him with all of your heart. Let's bow together in prayer. Father in heaven, bless thy truth. Speak, Lord, to every heart. Breathe upon us, Lord, from heaven. We ask these mercies in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to sing just one verse. It's the doxology. It's for, found before the first hymn in the hymn book. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise him, all creatures here below. Praise him above ye heavenly host. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Now, I'm going to be very unfriendly. Uh, Dr. Saunders will maybe go to the door, but I'm feeling a little bit groggy this morning. So uh, I'm going to stay here in the pulpit. Uh, So please don't think I am unfriendly. I might seem unfriendly, but I would rather sit down. So please excuse me uh, if you don't mind. Uh, And we'll stand as we sing praise God from whom... All blessings flow. now that thou wilt dismiss us in thy fear, with thy love and blessing. May the hand of God be upon us. We pray thou wilt spread thy covering wings around us, till all our wandering cease, and at our Father's loved abode, thy saints arrive in peace. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.